The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. The person that was as rotten as I was or the person that doesn't have the same level of sin in their life, it's still a miraculous work of God. Every time, that is one of the joys of my life is seeing people come to faith in Christ. If you had known Pete when he was a drug user and dealer, you never would have thought you'd hear him say what you just heard. This is First Person, I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our guest's life was radically changed by God through a pastor committed to discipling him. You'll meet Pete Charette in just a few moments. This weekly visit is made possible through the Far East Broadcasting Company, which loves to have stories of God working in people's lives told. FEBC has a few stories of their own, and you can learn more about them when you click on the FEBC banner found at firstpersoninterview.com. Thanks for your support of FEBC as it proclaims the gospel always in the local language in many countries. Once again, go to firstpersoninterview.com. And it's always great to get your feedback on what you hear, so please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Peter Charette's faith journey is a testimony to God's patience, power, mercy, and grace, and he'll tell his story in his own words now as I ask him what life was like before Christ. It was a struggle. Um, I uh, got involved in drugs and alcohol from a pretty early age, um, you know, early teens. And uh, alcohol was easier to get back in those days for me than than the drugs were. But by the time I was mid to late teenagers, um, I was I was getting high just about every day and uh, was just as a human being, I was demoralized. Hmm. I my spirit was broken. My, my, I had no, no real purpose, no, no drive, no desire, no, no direction whatsoever. And I, I think about those days and, and it is the hopelessness and the sadness that I remember and, uh, just being, being completely adrift. And, uh, after my college years, I began dealing drugs because I couldn't afford to, to pay for using them. So I, I just got into a, a spiral and um, with, without being melodramatic here, Wayne, uh, I was about as rotten a human being as, uh, as, as there was. Well, what, what contributed to this at home? What was going on in your young life? Um, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. I grew up in an upper middle class household. Um, mom and dad loved each other. Um, but Christ was not a part of that. And uh, um, my, my mom has, has passed away, but my dad is still alive at 91 and, and uh, still hasn't come to Christ. And um, I think we, we sometimes forget that, that e- even in a, a stable upbringing, if Christ isn't at the center of that, of that family, there's, there's grave danger. Mm. As you look back on it, do you understand what was driving you to have such a rebellious uh, attitude and streak? Um, uh, yeah. Um, my, my dad and I had 
various periods where we didn't get along well. Um, but I, I believe it's not a lot more complicated than I wanted to be. I wanted to sit on the throne of my own life. I wanted to make my decisions. And so I part of it was just making decisions that were exactly the opposite of what I think my dad would make. And, uh, and uh, the next thing you know, you make one bad decision and then it leads to another bad decision. Next thing you know, you're hanging out with wrong, the wrong crowd, wrong people. You're making bad decisions day after day. And you wake up one day and it's like, how in the world did I get to this place? Mm. And it's just a series of, of bad decisions. Um, part of it is alcohol. One of the things I've learned is that alcohol almost immediately affects your, your decision-making center of your brain. I'm certainly not a doctor and, you know, I'm, I, I don't have a medical degree or anything, but uh, drinking coupled with drugs just led me to just horrific decisions. Do you remember a point where you reached bottom? Um, yeah, there, uh, there were actually two or three. Um, I, I kind of refer to that as my scraping the bottom time. Um, what would happen is, is I would get to a very low place. I've been homeless. Um, I had a, a several week period where I was living in a, in a friend's stairwell. And uh, what would happen is I would begin to get myself um, out of that, either with help from friends or, uh, or, or other circumstances would, would kind of work in my favor. And interestingly enough, the minute things would start to go a little bit better, uh, I would immediately make some other horrific decision or go score some drugs or, or whatever and would, would hit absolute bottom. The, the turning point, um, came, I was, I had met the woman that would be my wife. So, uh, we were living together and, um, that relationship was starting to head to a really bad place. Um, we were arguing and fighting. I found it almost impossible to hold a job and, uh, um, all of my interpersonal relationships, I had no real family connections at that point. Everything was just a complete dumpster fire. Did you want to change, Pete? No. I, I wanted the results to be different. I, I don't think I was prepared to um, make some massive change in my life. You didn't want to pay the price. Uh, exactly. I, I think I had, um, I, I don't want to say counted the cost. I don't think it was that involved. But I, I, I knew that there was more to life than what I was experiencing. Uh, I had been evangelized for a brief period of time in college and remember flat out rejecting it and told him the navigators came came and, and spent some time with me. And I remember flat out rejecting it. Hmm. You told me that in 93, you were washing dishes, which surprised your wife, by the way, uh, and standing there, you, you realized your life was a train wreck. Was that a big turning point for you? It, it was um, it, it was a massive turnaround. Um, yeah, the, the joke I make is that, you know, clear indication that it was a work of God was the fact that I was doing dishes. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, I, I had been evangelized. As I said, I, I, I couldn't have given you the, the, the gospel message at that point. There had been too much time had passed and, 
um, and too many drugs had been taken. Um, but I knew that there was something out there. Um, I, I acknowledged that there was a God. I just had no idea who he was, couldn't tell you anything about him. And at that point, um, I remember um, just saying to whoever this unknown God was, it's like I, I said, God, you take over because every effort I've ever made has, has been a complete dumpster fire. And what I what I felt immediately was hope for the first time in my life. Did things change immediately for you? Um, in some ways, they did, and in some ways, they they didn't. Um, the drugs and alcohol um, immediately um, lessened, but but um, I I had a very very serious cocaine addiction. Hmm. And it took about a year before that was completely out of my life. Um, what, what, what happened was um, I uh, called a, a number of Baptist churches in New York City. My sister suggested I call Baptist churches. Um, she said that while Baptists have no lock on the truth, in New York City, it was a, a good chance that I would find a Bible-believing church. Um, so I called a bunch of Baptist churches and and found one that um, that invited me to uh, to a Bible institute they were running. And within about ten days or so, I had heard the gospel clearly presented, and and came to saving faith in Christ. And at that point, things drastically changed for me. So who came alongside you? Uh, typically, someone is steps in. Christ uses someone to encourage you. Who was that in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the moment, from the moment of my salvation moving forward, um, it was Pastor Vinnie Sawyer at Faith Baptist Church in uh, Corona, Queens. Hmm. What did he do? It was and um, he he got me a Bible, but but it wasn't. Um, like a, a, you know, leather bound, um, you know, uh, study Bible with all kinds of notes. It was a Bible with just the biblical text. And, and he said to me, he says, this is going to be hard. He said, but just read and, and write your questions down and bring me your questions that you have as to, you know, what you don't understand or what's unclear to you. And I started reading hours a night, and I had tens of pages of questions. And uh, and Pastor Sawyer would come in early in the morning. Um, I started work at 8.30. So from 8 to 8.30 every day, five days a week, I would call him and ask him my questions, and he would answer me. Mm-hmm. And, and he discipled me, and it was, it was a powerful, powerful experience. And coming up, we'll learn that Peter Charette now disciples others. Stay with us for the second half of First Person. Listening to your station is my first priority when I get home. Sometimes I even listen twice. First on the radio and then through the internet. Thank you for all your hard work. Last year, the Far East Broadcasting Company heard from over 2.6 million listeners whose lives were changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To learn more about FEBC's ministry in nearly 50 countries, go online to firstpersoninterview.com. 
firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Pete Charette, and Pete has been sharing his story with us on First Person. It's a remarkable testimony of how God has uh, taken his life and has really redeemed him, as he so graciously does uh, when we place our faith in Christ. Pete, a moment ago, you were talking about your testimony, which includes drugs and alcohol and all kinds of sin, and yet you were making the point that even the nicest person we know without Christ is still lost. That's exactly right, Wayne. I think that while it is difficult for us to to think of it this way, um, the the nicest friend or neighbor that you have, who who you know may, may have a wife and kids and and uh, you know works hard and supports and is is a good husband, that 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 person, apart from Christ, is still a, a rebellious hater of God. And and I know that's difficult for for us to talk about, but I think for me it's added uh, a real urgency to my desire to share the gospel with everybody that 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 I come across, everybody that I see. Pick up your story, Pete. Uh, you came to faith and have all these questions that your pastor mentor is helping you with. Uh, where is Marianne in all of this? Your wife. <laughs> Um, that's, a an, an interesting aspect to the story. Um, when, when I got saved and immediately was set just on fire for, for Christ, um, Marianne was kind of looking to see if it was going to be real. And, um, she was, um, at that point attending a Catholic church, but attending quite ir- irregularly. Um, after about a month, month and a half, um, I got baptized and she came to, to that service and she was kind of intrigued by, um, by some of what she, she had seen. Um, but she wasn't quite ready to, to come to faith. Um, what ended up by, by changing for her is um, we had a series of um, discussions, and um, she had questions about um, about biblical issues um, and and biblical topics. And I had done even early on; I had done enough reading that I began to have answers for her. And uh, uh, about a year after I got saved, um, it took her that long, but she got saved. Praise and God. Was ba- yeah. And was baptized. It was, yeah, it was, uh, that was a rejoicing day for me. I guess so. <laughs> well, uh, back to your personal story, Pete. You mentioned that once you uh, came to Christ, suddenly you had this immense joy. You had purpose in life. Uh, is it that easy? Did it turn around that quickly for you? There there were struggles. Um, as I said a, a bit earlier, the drugs the alcohol immediately stopped, but the, the drug use, there was a physical addiction component to that. And, uh, um, that took about a year. Um, what, what I learned through the first four or five years of of my salvation was there are activities in which we can engage that will really deepen 
our our both our walk with Christ, but our relationship with with God. And um, the more that I committed to to a um, a disciplined approach to that, um, the more my relationship with God grew. You ended up going to seminary, which is a pretty radical turnaround for you, and becoming a becoming a pastor. Uh, what has life been like these uh, these past number of years? Yeah, I um, went to seminary and uh, got got a job as a, as a youth pastor, and uh, kind of quickly discovered that I don't have the the temperament for for pastoral work. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty hard edged guy at times and, um, <laughs> being from New York city, um, life in rural West Michigan was, was certainly different. Um, what, what God has really laid on my heart, Wayne, is a, is a desire to see men and women in Christ come to a, a place of growing and maturing faith hmm. and discipleship has become um, really for the last 10 years has become my, my overall burning desire. Well, how does that work? I mean, do you seek out people? Do they seek you out? Does it just happen sort of naturally or how do you, how do you make that work? I have found that the more active I am in service projects, either at church or in, uh, other groups that I, that, that I meet, um, the more active I am, the more people cross my path, and uh, I've never struggled. I've asked a bunch of people um, who have become disciples. Uh, I've asked them to meet with me, and usually they will say yes, but I've, I've never struggled to find them. Um, there are people out there with a hunger and a, and a thirst to, uh, to grow in their faith, and uh, they just seem to really respond to a one-on-one discipleship approach. And I know that's a little out of the mainstream, but uh, yeah, I meet with people once a week, 90 minutes once a week, and we pray, we read our Bible or study our Bible, and uh, we talk about how to apply that to our lives. And then and then we pray again. Hmm. And then it's powerful. And you've actually written a book on discipleship, Living Out the Mandate of God, which is being released even as uh, we talk on the program here today. But Pete, um, I just want to end up by talking to you and asking you to talk to the person listening to this who's identifying with what you're saying. Maybe they are at a point where they realize they've been faking it, or maybe you're there at that bottom point that you reached in your life, you know, with all that's going on with drugs and alcohol today. It's entirely possible someone's listening to feel like they, they're trapped. So what, what advice would you have for that person? I would, as strongly as I could suggest Wayne, I I would suggest that they um, cry out to the God that they don't know, the the God that they have no no idea who He is, and cry out to Him, and and beg Him to help. And one of the things that that was a hindrance for me um, before I came to faith, but but I recognize after that, um, God is a God of of unbelievable power and might, but he's also a God of unbelievable compassion and mercy and kindness. Mm. And uh, when people are, are in that place, cry out to God and, uh, and God, God will respond. 
Um, I'm certainly not obligating God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get into that jam. But um, he will cross your path with people. If you know anyone who's a Christian, uh, you know, ask for, for their help. But God desires to have sinners come to him. And I think of the parable of, of the 99 and the one. You know, he'll leave the 99 to go search for the one. And uh, if you cry out to God, he will find you. And there is hope and purpose and meaning and significance for your life. And all the things that you're looking for that the world can't can't satisfy for you can be found in God. And um, it is an unbelievable, uh, exciting, wild ride. And it's joyful and, and filled with laughter. The other thing that challenges me, Pete, about your life is that you're willing to be a discipler. And for the rest of us who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we need to be willing to share that and share in the lives of people. Amen. We forget that the Great Commission in Matthew is a command to make disciples. It's not just a command to evangelize. I mean, the command is go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And I think our goal should be to be making disciples who then go out and make disciples. And and that's ultimately what, what I do. I take people through about a one-year program, meeting with them once a week for 90 minutes. And then at that point, they're ready to take on their own disciple. And usually I kick them out of the nest and go find a new disciple. Pete, as you look back on your life, you now say that you have an almost fanatical desire to know God more deeply. My my prayer life has exploded over the last several years to the point where um, I am currently, I pray with my sister every morning for about an hour. I'm praying with another person every morning for about a half an hour. Um, I pray with one of my sons every morning for about 15 or 20 minutes. And, and it's not the amount of time you know, Wayne, that, that's, it, this isn't a, a magic formula, but in spending time in deep communion with God, he has revealed aspects of who he is that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And, and I'm, I'm getting answers to things I'm asking and getting direction, um, getting that peace of God, which passes all understanding. I quit my job, had a six-figure job, quit it to write the first book. And that was seven months ago, and I haven't worked since. And the book hasn't hasn't paid me anything yet. So uh, yet my bills are paid. And and again, that's not a statement of how great my faith is. That's a, a statement about how faithful God is to us. That's Peter Charette telling us his story here on First Person. We'll have a bit more about Pete and his book at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I'm grateful to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making this program possible. FEBC is a broadcast ministry reaching millions of people with the message of the gospel and the teaching of God's Word, always in the local language. There's a daily radio program with Ed Cannon of FEBC on many radio stations, and you can also listen online at febctoday.org. Learn more about how to support and pray for FEBC when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. A very convenient way to listen to this program is by using our app for smartphones. The First Person Interview app is a free download from your app store. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.